Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hap lines one down the left field line. That's going to be a base hit. This is going to drive in one. Mancini's going to get the green light. Here comes the relay. There's going to be a play at the plate. The throw very high. Sliding in safely is Mancini. Two-run double Ian Hap. Cubs lead 5-1. to one. We're back with more Gabe Ramirez and Clay Harbor on Sports Radio 670, The Score, and the free Odyssey app. That was... Pat and Ron, right here on 670 The Score, top of the sixth. Ian Hatt put in some work to give the Cubs that 5-1 victory. Cubs will end up winning 8-3 in that one, finally sweeping uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Great three, ga- three games for the Chicago Cubs, but just a phenomenal pitching performance. Again, right when you keep on thinking that Kyle Hendricks is just going to fall off a cliff because you just assume sheer percentages and odds and everything like that. He ends up throwing another gem, and you're thinking to yourself, he's in, like, <laughs> Like, top-tier form right now. It's and crazy. It's, it's unbelievable to watch. And we get to talk a little bit about the Cubs, a little bit about the Sox, and just baseball as a whole. Uh, right now with our next guest who joins us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Of course, it's Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast. It's an Odyssey original. Make sure you download that app. Uh, featuring the most notable names in, in Major League Baseball and all-around sports every week. And then uh, I get to do a couple of things on there, too. Brett, what's going on? Thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah, my pleasure. How you guys doing? Doing good. I mean, let's start. Let's just start with Kyle Hendricks. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you've dealt with some injuries in your time, Brett, you know, playing in the bigs and, you know, to come back after not pitching for a year. Matter of fact, even better, I know you've you've played defense behind some guys that have been gone for a year. First of all, what are your thoughts you know, as you as that guy gets back on the mound after such a long period of time, and then specifically, what are your thoughts on Kyle Hendricks and what he's been able to do since coming back? I've I've always been a fan of Kyle Hendricks. He just he's a pitcher. You know, he's an artist. He's a guy that uh, numbers wise doesn't really match up to 2023 Major League Baseball as far as the, as the radar gun never has. Um, but he reminds me a little bit of a, of an Adam Wainwright. They're just they're pitchers and he's fun to watch. Uh, he's been doing it for a lot of years. Yeah. Anytime you take a year off like that, especially as you're getting a little bit older, it, it's tough to come back missing here. Everybody thinks, Oh, we miss a little time. You come back when you're younger, it's easier. As you get older, uh, it's tough to just jump back, jump back into that rotation and be a force. He has been. And, and I think this Cubs team, especially from a year ago uh, to, to how they pitched this year, Really impressive, and, uh, you know, it's fun to watch because the Cubs a year ago, you know, not too many people in Chicago had much to cheer about, but 
especially being in that division that they're in, it's a weak division. I look at the American League Central, I look at the National League Central. Two real weak divisions where kind of is up for grabs and anybody can take it, and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm very impressed with what Hendricks been able to do, and he's hitting the gu- he's throwing about 88, 89. He's not even hitting ninety miles an hour, and he's just been having so much success. And then I love, you know, what what you bring in Merriweather in there, and he's hitting one hundred two on the gun. But what I wanted to ask you is, what do you think the big thing has been for these Cubs relievers? Because in June, across fifty six innings, they've had a three point two zero ERA. I mean, they've improved a lot. Can you see anything that made these guys really put it together and start pitching better? Experience, uh, guy behind the dish, uh, comfortability. You know, I see that a lot. And now stepping away from the game and being away, you know, retired now for 15-plus years. Uh, when I was playing, I didn't really put that much emphasis or, or credence into how important a catcher is. Coming to the ballpark every day, feeling comfortable with your battery mate, it makes a world of difference, not only for starting pitchers, but for relievers. If you're on the same page, uh, the trust you, you, you have with that catcher. And the only thing I can do that I've had experience with in my life is that camaraderie, that relationship I have with my shortstop. I only had it a few times yeah. in my career, but when you have it, it's something I can't really explain. It, it allows you to just free your mind and play your game, make great plays, take big chances. I think when you got somebody that you're sinking with behind the plate, it makes a big difference. I think the Cubs in general, you know, just from last year, they went out in the offseason, they, they made some acquisitions. Uh, nothing that really, with, with the exception of the Swanson, nothing that really jumped out at yeah. you, but definitely upgrades. So I, I just think at this stage in the game, comes to 35 and 38. I didn't watch the game today. So now they're 36 and 38. Yep. Is, that, is that true? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Two games, two I, games I, below 500, but only three and a half back. I, yeah. I look at that and it, it, it's up for, it's up for grabs in that division. I think Cincinnati just won their 11th straight, which is unbelievable. Young kid comes up and, you know, I think his first 15 games, he's got 13 wins in the, and the Reds kind of out of nowhere with that youth movement uh, really playing good. I don't think the Reds can last because I don't think they've got, the, they, they've got the pitching to do it. I think the Cubs do, especially in that starting rotation. Smiley, Steele, yeah. uh, obviously Stroman at this stage of the season, you know, he, he's in that conversation for the Cy Young. Yeah, absolutely. Now, long way to go. Absolutely. Yeah, you think long the, way, to, long yeah. way to go, but this, at this stage, it, it's, it's been pretty cool to watch the Cubs right now, especially where they were a year ago. Best ERA in the NL. I mean, Stroman's a guy that there's been a lot of you know noise around him. Do you keep him? Do you are you are you keeping him? Are you trading him? What do you think? I think, in my opinion, he's a guy you can build around. He's young enough. The way he's pitching, I say you keep Stroman. Do you think the Cubs should trade him? Try to get some prospects in here. Do you think maybe they they keep Stroman and build around him? At, at some point, if you're the Cubs, you know, going back to their World Championship six seven years ago. It's like you, you've got to start building around something at this stage. You, that, that team is kind of broken up, and it's like, I'll be honest with you. I look at Stroman. He's a, he was always a uh, capable big league pitcher, but I was one of the, the critics. I didn't buy into him being this good. And for the last two or three years, you know, he talks a lot. He's kind of a, a polarizing figure. But, but I'll tell you what, he's backing it up, and I think he's proven at this point that he's worthy to be the anchor in that, in that Cubs rotation. He seems to really enjoy playing in Chicago. And if I'm them, from what I'm seeing, his, you know, he can say whatever he wants. 
Uh, when you talk a lot and you don't back it up, <laughs> yep. well, then they get rid of you real quick. But when you're backing it up, you got to keep a guy like that. And I think, why not? I'm, I'm becoming slowly a fan of Marcus Stroman. It's hard. It's hard to uh, to cheer for, cheer against him when he's uh, coming through. Those are the kind of guys we like. Uh, we're talking to former MLB second baseman Brett Boone right here on 670. The score on Gabe Ramirez. He's Clay Harbor. Of course, Brett and Odyssey MLB Insider. Make sure you download that app. Brett, I mean, you know, you played in the league a while. You had some phenomenal years. Obviously, we all watched you. Who was one of your favorite pitchers uh, to play behind? To play behind? Well, I'll tell you who my favorite pitchers were not to hit against. <laughs> and for the, for the 90s, uh, for, for the good majority of the 90s, you know, I was with the Reds. And going into Atlanta and facing that Maddox, Smoltz, mm. Glavin, and it seemed like I couldn't <laughs> shake it. You know, that's back before the Internet, and we had nothing but USA Today. So, I'd be, I'd be kind of open that USA Today. I know I'm going to Atlanta in two weeks, and I started counting the days. It would be Maddox, well, okay, he's got four days off. and Oh, and it seemed like he'd land on them every time. So I, I'd have nightmares. I got traded after the 98 season to the Braves. And that was the first thing that went through my mind. Not only, hey, I'm probably definitely going to the postseason, get a chance to go to the World Series, yeah. which we did in 99, but I don't have to face these guys. I get to, I get to play behind them. So – it was a pleasure playing behind them. There, there are some guys throughout my career. Freddie Garcia comes to mind in, in Seattle. And Jamie Moyer, just because he was such an artist and had to do it so differently. But it's tough playing behind Maddox, Smoltz. It, it's tough to beat, I should say, playing behind Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin. Big unit I played it behind uh, early in my career. I came up with the, with the Seattle Mariners. I played a couple of years with them before I went off to Cincinnati. And, and that was Randy, Randy Johnson when he was just coming yeah. into his own. And to this day, I've never played behind a more dominant pitcher when he was on. So I, I had the luxury of playing with a lot of great ones. That's awesome, man. I mean, to, to think about playing behind some of those guys. I mean, obviously here in Chicago, we love Freddie Garcia. You know, Jamie Moyer, the consummate professional. Sim, kind of sort of similar to a Kyle Hendricks, like a methodical kind of guy, put the ball where it needs to be. And then, of course, the big unit. I mean, geez, I can't even imagine – a balk leaving the bat of a pitch like that, and then you having to play up the middle to try to stop it. <laughs> that, like that. Yeah, that is crazy. So you're going against Greg Maddox, and you're going against a guy like the big unit. You mentioned Greg Maddox, but for me as a as a fan, I always I always thought it would be so much easier to go against Maddox than Johnson. So what's the mentality? Well, he, was going against, with, he was playing with Johnson for instance. With Johnson. Yeah, but yeah. just saying that you're going against a guy that's hitting 95 versus you're going against Maddox who's – you know, in the, the mid eighties, that's just painting the corners. Like what's the mindset there? What's the, what's the difference when you're going against that big arm versus that guy that's more methodical, like, you know, like say Hendricks. Well, I think that it's a, it's a myth that, that Maddox threw in the mid eighties. He, he was low nineties always had more move, had more movement and threw a heavier ball than pretty much anybody I ever faced. Maybe Billy Swift, uh, um, that's a blast from the past giants in the, in the nineties, but Maddox had a heavy, what we call heavy ball. I mean, that I, I'd square it up and it just felt like a bowling <laughs> ball coming off my, my bat. Neither one is a walk in the park. Randy, just different. He's so big. He's arms and legs coming at you uh, different than anyone I ever faced Randy and definitely not, not fun, but I'll tell you what, I faced a lot of great pitchers in my career. And if I have to take the entire body of work, consistency time after time, every time I face him, Greg Maddox is the greatest pitcher I've ever faced. He's wow. absolute mechanic out there. Yeah. I, I mean, most guys, if they call for a fastball away, they'll on bad days, they'll miss up and in. 
Greg, yeah. when he called for a fastball weight, like two inches to him, yeah, right. that was a big miss for yeah. Greg. And as far as as the spread, Greg would have a bad game in the 90s and go seven and give up two because usually he only gives up one or zero. Pound for pound, total body work, Greg Maddox is the greatest pitcher I've ever faced because he was it was like facing a robot because he would do the same thing, same thing, moving on his fastball. He was a guy that could just pitch with one pitch if he wanted. He could pitch with that two-seamer and get away with it and win a lot of games in the big leagues. Best I've ever seen. And it's it's so so unfortunate that we see a lot now, Brett, where guys can't even get the opportunity to go seven innings. You see it all the time now. And, you know, you it's, look, it's a different if, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, different time. Yeah, right? culture you know guys now they're brought up uh they're brought up to go five you know the great ones will still go six seven you know the verlanders the scherzers that the clayton kershaws but for the most part the normal starting pitcher they're grooming them in the minor leagues to go five that's the difference with the bullpens nowadays back in my day it was you go to the bullpen because you weren't good enough to be in the starting rotation now they're starting at a young age and they're and they're seeing these kids these big kids with the big arms and they're starting to groom him to be a seventh, eighth, ninth inning guy, a specialist. Game's a little bit different now because a lot of the uh, of the money is put into bullpens. In the past, it was never put into bullpens. Like I said, you were always a starter. The best players were the best pitchers were starters. And then if they couldn't make that rotation, that's when they went in the bullpen. Different game now. Yeah, and that's something that the that the White Sox are struggling right well, right now, Brett. And I, I look at their rotation, and it, they have guys that, you know, have had some injuries, but they have some guys where they could be, you know, top-of-the-line starters like a Dylan Cease. You see the, the White Sox dealing with Giolito and whether or not they should move on from him at the trade deadline. When you look at the White Sox rotation, uh, do you think it's one that is, is set and one that they can compete the same way you mentioned with the Chicago Cubs? Or do you feel like, you know, their rotation could use a shakeup because of the quality that, that they have there? Well, I look at the White Sox. In the last two years, if, if I were to say the most disappointing team in my eyes, uh, just from what I what I study and what I see, the quality of the of the players on that on that roster and have been for two years, they're probably the most disappointing team to me in baseball for for what they've got out of that team. A year ago, I picked, you know, I thought, oh, they're they're by far the class of the Central. They should run away with it. They didn't this year. Same thing. White Sox should be the best. I look at Giolito. I look at Lynn. I look at Cease, Kopech, and I think. That should be a real formidable rotation. I look at the bullpen. Now Hendricks out again. You got Graveman and Santos and Middleton down there in the bullpen. I look at Anderson, who's kind of the leader of that team, the shortstop. I know he's banged up a little bit. You brought in Benintendi. Moncado spent some time on the IL. Jimenez, he's just kind of going along. Grandal, Andres, you know, who's who's a veteran shortstop, but, but at the end of his career. I look at that White Sox team, if they don't put a good run together, especially being, and once again, I, I talked about the National League Central being a weak division. The American League Central might even be weaker than the National <laughs> League Central. So if I don't see the White Sox making a move, they're four and a half out of the wild card right now. Um, no, I'm sorry. They're they're nine. Out, are, are they nine? They're no, four, they're four, four and a half out of the division. Yeah. Right. And who's leading that division? Minnesota Twins at about a 500 record, if it's a 500 record. I look at the White Sox a month from now when you're getting closer to the trade deadline. If they don't make a turnaround and prove that they're in a position to win the division, because there's only one team coming out of that central. There's not going to be any wild cards coming out of that central. It's going to be one team, whoever wins the division. If I don't see vast improvement within a month, I'm at the point where the White Sox, and it doesn't matter what I say because I don't have a stake in the White Sox, 
everybody to me is available, maybe with the exception of Robert, because this group of guys just haven't got it done. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I watched this game yesterday, and I just want to know your thoughts. Obviously, you've, you've probably seen it. Did you see the play? <laughs> Did you see the play at the plate? I just want to know what your thoughts are. Do you think that was the right oh, call? Where they blocked the plate. I mean, I'm a football player, Brett, so so I love contact. I'd say block the plate. Let's see the collision. Obviously, I know why they did it. But do you think that was a good call, you know, for interference when the when the catcher's blocking them? I don't think he's blocking the plate. Or do you think, you know, maybe they got it right? That's how the rules written, and you got to go as how the rules written. What's your what's your thoughts on that play that literally cost the Rangers the game? I'm a purist. I'm an old school guy. I like less is more for me. This game is a great game. It's it's been a great game for a lot of years. You know, before we were around, it's going to be a, yeah. around long after we're gone. <laughs> yep. So I, I kind of don't like change. I've got to admit, this last offseason when they said they were going to put in the clock, uh, I was pretty skeptical, thinking I don't like that. I don't have a clock in baseball. You know, mm-hmm. we pride ourselves on we're the only major sport that doesn't have a clock. Yeah. Now we have a clock. I have to admit. I kind of like it. Yeah. I think it's liven the game up. More more balls being put in play. People are stealing bases again. I kind of like it. So I was wrong there. The replay, getting getting a foul ball home run correct, fair and foul. I like the replay for that. I like a bang-bang at first base in the postseason. you got to get that play right. Guys play 162 games to get there, and the game can't be ended just because the umpire missed the call. So I yeah. do like those replays. Second base, turn and two, guy has to slide right into the bag. I hate it. As a second baseman, that's how you separate being great from good. The guys that can turn that big double play late in the game with the guy trying to knock you into left field. Now it brings me to the catcher's position. I can't stand it. I want to plow a catcher. That's the way the game's always been. I think it should be. It's a part of the game. And I think not only just because I like it, you know, I kid around a little bit. Like I want it the way it used to be. I understand the owner's perspective is the money is huge now. I got to protect my investment. I get it. But that rule is so up for interpretation, if you know what I'm saying. There's no clear cut rule. I think the catchers still at this stage, that catcher last night, he's going to be thinking, well, what is the rule? What do I do? There's nothing clear cut that's really, you know, in bold print that says this is what you can do and can't. And I think last night, is an example of that. And the fact that you're not going to allow contact anymore, you're going to have calls like that that, that are just obvious to, to my eye on TV, but sometimes they don't get it right on the field. I thought it was a horrible call. And, Brett, sometimes if you already know you're going to be out, you might just truck, might as well truck them anyway <laughs> at that point. No, that, no, well, you're going to have a lot of guys no, on your back you do yeah, that. No, 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 I'm joking. Uh, yeah, it was a tough play. I don't think anyone thought that he, he blocked the base path. Uh, I felt bad for fear of the catcher. He was talking to the ump afterwards, looked so sad and depressed because he thought he was doing everything correctly. But Pedro Gafo, and, and he did. And the, but Pedro Gafo after the game, which it was funny to hear him talk, he, he spoke about how you know in the in the off season they watch tape on what's it, what's legal and what's illegal yeah. and what, what that was supposed to look like. So he was making it seem as though his team did their due diligence and they know what was correct and what was not. And unfortunately, maybe the Rangers didn't. Brett. Great stuff today. I appreciate you hanging out with us. Can't wait to have you back on uh, so we can talk some more baseball. Great talking, Brett. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Of course, that was Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast, man. Of course, I mean, just you heard how passionate he got when talking about the pitchers that he faced, the pitchers that he played with, 
Also, just, you know, talking about the double play, you know, getting thrown into left field. And he is a passionate baseball head, so you want to hear that. Make sure you download the Odyssey app right now so you can follow the Brett Boone podcast or subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts right now. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's Clay Harbor. We're hanging out till 9 o'clock with you guys. Going to be talking to Corey Wooten at the top of the 7 o'clock hour, a little bit of, little bit of Bears football. But I want to stay in the baseball space. I know the Cubs are, are headed to London. Feeling good after winning their yeah. three-game three set against Pittsburgh. But you've played in London. Three times. So you know what it's like, what distractions can be there, or maybe just what the difficulties a team might face. Boy, are there some distractions uh, out in London. <laughs> well, you tell me the ones that you could talk about during the commercial break, and then we'll yeah. talk about the ones on air uh, on the other side. All right. Uh, yep. What is London like? What can the Cubs be expecting? And can they pull off another sweep against the St. Louis Cardinals? We'll discuss it next. It's Gabe Ramirez, Clay Harbor, here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score.